0: So, what do you think? Are our listeners looking forward to our Rocky Horror episode,
1: or what? Uh, I mean, yeah, after we mulliganed two weeks ago, I think they're probably waiting in eager anticipation. Let's do the time again. Let's do the
0: time again. We're like Dave's in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> Or doze in the landscape of the mind. It's going to be so subversive.
1: They're going to love it. So dark. <laughs> <laughs> she was like a sad cat. I'm sorry, but I want to be able to see out of my knuckle hair. You have opened my eyes. <laughs> we are a hive mind. We are one. Oh, hey, little nepetiz. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah, that's upsetting.
0: Say the word. You know the word.
1: Swackadoo. <laughs> good evening, listeners. Welcome to A Matter of Taste. My name is Theo. I am here with uh, my good friend Ian. Hello. And uh, we are here for the second time to talk about... <laughs> Yeah, I've got some avocados in the kitchen. Oh, okay. I actually because I made guac the other day, and I bought too many avocados, so uh, okay. I could go sacrifice one right now. Um, I should have thought about that earlier. Uh, hey, we're here talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> uh, which is uh, just uh, just just something, man.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of. It's kind of a a good thing and a bad thing that we waited so long to re-record, because on the one hand, I don't quite remember what we talked about before, so it's sort of like a a fresh take altogether. Yeah. At the same time, I don't quite remember what we did talk about, so I don't know.
1: I remember some bits and pieces. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, for the musical, uh, the musical series, this is our last episode in the musical series, um... What we've been doing is opening up with talking about how we were introduced to the musical. So, Ian, do you want to give us the uh, lowdown on how you how you came to uh, came to see Rocky Horror for the first time? Sure.
0: It was a dark and stormy night.
1: <laughs> no, uh, sitting was, here just in rapt attention.
0: <laughs> uh, it was junior year of college, actually. Uh, uh, people on our campus was doing a shadow cast of the movie, and I, I, I'm i pretty sure I had seen it before on, uh, like, TV, like, it was on, and my dad and I watched it, because uh, it was one of those movies that he was like, oh, you, you, you gotta see it, but even he was like, you sort of gotta see it with a crowd.
1: Yeah, no, um, it's, it's one of those uh, wholesome family films. Yeah. So... <laughs>
0: Yeah, so well, I consider my like, real introduction to it this shadow cast uh, at a college uh, where it, I was in an auditorium with a bunch of people watching, and there were people on stage uh, acting out along with the movie, and uh, there were call-outs, there was an initiation for all of the Rocky Horror Virgins in the audience. Uh, which included uh, uh, bringing up uh, men onto the stage and then bringing up women onto the stage separately and asking them to uh, uh, imitate what they thought the other sex's orgasm would sound like. Hmm. (laughs) And uh, I... uh, This was junior year of college, so I I, sort of my level of like uncomfortableness around stuff like that had that that threshold had uh, adjusted since going to college. But I managed to uh, get away with it without making myself too uncomfortable by uh, doing the thing from Young Frankenstein: the oh sweet mystery of life, at last I found you. <laughs> Which got a, a good uh, reaction from the audience. So I, I was pretty proud of myself for that.
1: Yeah, that's pretty. I guess at that point the band hadn't broken down your uh, your barriers quite so much with our <laughs> well, deluge like, of dick jokes.
0: The other thing was like, there were. It's like there's ten guys up on stage trying to do different orgasm sounds, and it's like, okay, some of them are funny, some of them are just weird. I was like. I gotta do
1: something at least a little different. Yeah. I'm gonna quote you on that. On, like, the back of a book or something. <laughs> so there's ten guys up on stage making different orgasm sounds, and we thought, I gotta do something at least a little different. <laughs> oh, man, that's gonna be a pull quote. <laughs> it's on. It's gonna be on the back of a matter of taste, the untold story. Oh man
0: oh man i remember now last time we had an episode title oh i think i did write it down yes yes <laughs> as you described this movie uh Theo, tell us how you were introduced to hey let's fuck with these normies
1: yeah <laughs> let's fuck with the normies yeah <laughs> Oh, God, that is, that's, that's, like, the theme of this film. It is, really, Um, and we'll get
0: into that a little more detail
1: later on. (laughs) In the, uh, in the grand tradition of fucking with normies films, uh, yeah, I was introduced to it in high school, um, I had a girlfriend take me to, uh, I've told you before that I, I grew up in, like, the middle of nowhere, um... Not not quite like Sealand's Grove, like where we went to school. Uh, You know, it was up in the mountains. There was was some stuff around, but there wasn't really a lot to do. Um, So I grew up in the middle of nowhere. This theater was five minutes further into the middle of nowhere. Um, And uh, it was like a... I swear to you, it was like a single-screen theater. Um, And not like a dinner theater either. Like just a straight-up movie theater, but it it only had one screen. Uh and uh yeah i had a girlfriend in high school who took me to a showing um a showing there and that was that was my introduction to the film uh,
0: complete with call outs and everything oh yeah
1: yeah no they they would run it there like maybe i want to say like once a month um they would run it at that theater and you know people would go and do the call outs and all that um so yeah that was That was definitely an experience. But I do think I saw, like, parts of it on, you know, sci-fi, or I actually want to say, like, Turner Classic Movies, maybe? Hmm. Maybe? No, that doesn't make sense. I don't don't know. Maybe. Like, one of those, because I'm trying to think of, like, what the movie channels, like, the movie movie channels, you know?
0: Like, AMC is kind of, although it's moved into more TV
1: series. Yeah, maybe it, it might have been AMC? I don't know. Um... But what movie movie channels were around when we were younger? Because I I think I saw it on one of those at like eleven o'clock one night. I want to say um, it could have still been sci-fi. I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, I saw it. I, I've seen. I saw like bits and pieces of it. I don't think I watched the whole thing then, and uh, then experienced it for the first time when I was in high school. And this was actually something that we we did get into a bit. Um, we were talking about it before, that it's really hard to judge this movie on its own. Uh-huh. Like, without the... It's it's not really a, a movie. It's more of a a, a a full-featured experience, if you will. <laughs> like, you know, as much as I... We usually encourage our listeners to, like, go out and watch whatever we're talking about, because we're generally... On this podcast, we mostly talk about stuff that we like you know so even yeah even if it's bad we're like yeah just check it out uh but this one i would caution like you know probably don't watch it on your own for the first time like go find a theater and uh go see it the next time they do they do you know a showing to get the real experience of it because like watching it just on my computer when I when I rewatched it before this podcast, it was you know it was like okay, it's there, <laughs> yeah. but it's not the it's not the like manic fun that the uh, the entire experience is. Yeah, and it's
0: not like it, that's not to say that it's not a well made movie because that like. I think we also talked about it last time the production values for what this is, is are pretty good.
1: The costumes alone are fucking amazing.
0: And the sets of this castle and the casting—freaking uh, Timmy Curry is just phenomenal. This this was probably like his oddly enough like a breakout role for him in terms of movies. Uh, I'm not totally. Uh, uh, well-versed in the uh, the repertoire of Tim Curry, but I think this is one of his earlier movie roles.
1: Yeah, um, and it's also one that I know he struggled a lot to get away from. Oh, uh, yeah. But he, uh, I believe he's pretty much made peace with it at this point. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do believe he, for a lot of his career... He was, uh, he was a little, um, <clears throat> uh, this might have been his first movie, actually. Mm, it's yeah. entirely possible. Uh, but yeah, he was, he, he just struggled to get out from under Frank and shadow, as it were. Yeah. Um. And then
0: he was Nigel Thornberry and everything
1: Dude, he's been so many people. He really
0: has. He was friggin' Pennywise in it. Like, he's just been so many different random characters. And now he's gonna be the criminologist in the uh, remake.
1: This is true. Let me
0: see.
1: Yeah, this was his first film.
0: Alright. I I was pretty sure I remember reading that, but I wasn't.
1: Yeah, he had parts in like TV series and miniseries before this, but this was his first film. Um, yeah, dude's just got presence, man. He really does. Like he's he's a lot like Hopkins in that it's it's just impossible not to look at him when he's on screen. You know, like Rocky Horror has a great ensemble. Um, but in other films, you kind of pity people who have to work against him, or not against, but, you know, next to him, yeah. what have you, because, like, man, nobody's looking at you, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like that, uh, it reminds me a lot of that movie, The Right, uh, which was supposed to be a vehicle for whoever's in it, aside from Anthony Hopkins. Oh, yeah. And it's just sad, because every scene is Hopkins acting circles around this bland white dude. <laughs> like Yeah,
0: oh, I want to say, who was the
1: bland white dude? I don't know. We're probably insulting some of these fans right now.
0: Oh man, who is it? Uh, Colin O'Donoghue? Rucker Hauer was in that too? <laughs> oh, Colin O'Donoghue, he plays
1: on friggin once upon a time oh yeah okay there you go <laughs> I, I actually
0: do like calling it out
1: you. Um, but poor man like if you wanna <laughs> if you want to launch somebody's career don't put them up against Anthony Hopkins for the majority of their screen time like yeah. Talking about Rocky Horror, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be a matter of taste if we didn't get wildly sidetracked. God, what do we? <laughs> what do we want to say about Rocky Horror aside from the fact that it's it's a really good time?
0: It is a really good time, especially if you're watching it with a crowd. Um, uh, what do you think? The, I I know I asked this last time, but I'll ask it again. What do you think of the
1: music? I think it's amazing. I mean I don't know. I I enjoy it. I I think I remember when we were talking about like what our favorite songs were in the uh, in the production last time. The opening uh the opening song science fiction double feature I used to listen to that like constantly because um, I had the uh, I had the me first and the gimme gimme's album that had a cover of it on it yeah. I think you mentioned the fan of the opera cover they did because they did like yes. a whole did like a whole album of that called uh, yeah. Are a drag um, but their cover of science fiction double feature was like it was probably played in my car for a cumulative year I would say <laughs>
0: talked about that song being fascinating in the, the, this discussion we've been having about the ways that musicals introduce you to the musical itself, the intro music, the overture, or the intro song.
1: Right, uh, and uh, science fiction double feature is great because it's one of those that like doesn't really tell you about the story at all, and yet tell, also, yet does tell you everything you need to know to watch this movie. Yeah.
0: by invoking the names of so many different very uh, horror and sci-fi movies, it really gets you in the mood Yeah. to give yourself over to absolute pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, just dropping lines left and right. <laughs> oh, my. Um, I, I mentioned uh, how, uh, oddly enough, my favorite song in this musical is probably Planet Shmanit Janet.
1: Yeah, I do remember you uh, you bringing that up. i tell you once, I won't tell you twice. You better wise up, Janet White. Your apple pie don't taste too nice. You better wise up, Janet White.
0: Yeah, it's weird. As I brought up, it's sort of another one of those sort of restative songs where it's like more about moving the plot than uh, being about a concept or something. But there's something about it. There's something about the movement of the music and the way it's the the placement in the story. How it's like, okay, shit's starting to hit the fan right now. uh, That I really, really like about it. And then of course, you're a hot dog. (laughs) <laughs> one of the things i love about the music from rocky horror picture show is just the fact that it's so 70s it's very much that david bowie brand of uh, like very rock and roll but still experimental and uh, just like the lyrics obviously are just about out there stuff
1: um, yeah even like even in terms of musicality one of the things I love about this uh, this musical is it it follow it everything falls in line with just being like let's be aggressively weird like
0: <laughs> Like I think we talked about last time how like in terms of an actual plot it's part of the reason why it's best to watch this movie with a crowd because the plot is, it's not the most, uh...
1: Sensical? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a good word for it. It's not the most sensical plot, and you've got stuff like Rocky when he first comes out of the tank singing about the Sword of Damocles, and I'm just like, why? <laughs> and the meatloaf rides in on a motorcycle singing Hopatootie, bless my soul, and it's like, uh, okay,
1: sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, every time I watch this movie I forget that meatloaf's in it I swear <laughs> to god every time it surprises me I'm like oh yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, I, I can't forget it because one of, like, when my dad would tell me about this movie one of the call outs he always brought up was when uh, they slam like that slab of meat on the table for the dinner uh, he remembered one of the call being Oh, meatloaf again. <laughs> uh, tell Eddie to get his ass off the table. <laughs> yeah, I just... The, the, each of these songs individually kind of work on their own, but throw them together and just like, why? <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, like... And we talked about this last time. Uh, oh, we didn't do our, our history of the musical. It actually started out as a stage musical. Uh, and then was adapted into the movie and like there have been stage productions and adaptations since then. and now there's gonna be the remake. Uh,
1: Honestly, more popular than stage productions, I've seen the uh, I've, the shadow casts like you talked about. Yeah, I've seen a lot more of them than I've seen like actual stage productions of it interestingly.
0: Yeah, because, and part of that I think might have to do with the fact that like okay, the plot of this is all over the place. And the callback aspect of this whole cult phenomenon didn't actually start, as we discovered in my research last episode. Uh, the whole callback thing didn't actually start until the movie came out. Mm-hmm. So what when people saw the original stage musical before the movie came out? What what were they thinking, just watching this and not doing having the whole experience of the calls and everything, just watching it as a straight up musical?
1: I don't know. That would be that'd be a really interesting thing to experience that we will never ever get to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if people do call outs at at the like at like an actual musical of it. Uh,
0: nowadays, maybe, but I I wonder
1: if there would have to be some sort of like with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure.
0: Because it is a, like, a live performance and so uh, since you're not set to something uh, as like, concrete as the actual movie playing behind you, you're actually performing the lines and being the characters and stuff. I, I, I would have to think that there wouldn't be call-outs, or if there were, they'd be very very much scripted, almost, in a way, even though the audience isn't, like, privy necessarily. Maybe you get, like, a little pamphlet of, like, hey, do these things at this these times. So, yeah. like I did when I went to my first showing, they had, like, a little pamphlet of, like, oh, here's stuff you can do, like, oh, here's a little squirt gun to use when they're over there in the rain. Uh, and, say, asshole and slut for Brad and Janet, and stuff like that. <laughs> um... But, uh, yeah, like, I, I have to think that for stage production, it, it wouldn't fly, because I just...
1: It's it's a, definitely not the least distracting thing in the world. That's,
0: that's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. As a performer, I would be so distracted, and, uh, like, imagine you're up there, and you've been performing this, like, you've done, let's say, 36 shows or something, and you, you hear call-outs and stuff, and then someone shouts out a call-out that you haven't heard before. It just takes you so completely off guard that it's like, I know we're in the middle of a live performance, but what? <laughs> oh man, yeah that that would be that would be a trip. <laughs> uh, but the movie, the movie, like just looking through the Wikipedia article and seeing the pictures, it's just got such. A specific sense of style uh, that even if the plot is all over the place, like everything else about the movie is so spot on, and like everyone's into it, and uh, it's it's just it's one of those things that I'm I'm glad it exists. Yeah, and there's never like we talked about last time out. There, there's never ever going to be anything like it again. Uh, things have tried, like people really push for Repo being the new Rocky Horror, and it's like, it's not.
1: No, it's not. <laughs> I, I say that with all love and affection.
0: Yeah. It, it may have a cult following, but for one, I, I mentioned this last time, Repo has a much more coherent plot. Um, But, uh, yeah, it's it's Interesting the place that Rocky horror has in as like a cultural phenomenon.
1: It really is. It's hard to it's hard to find an analogue to it. You know, like yeah, there there's not really anything out there like it. <laughs> And I think, I think we
0: actually are, like, directly retreading a conversation we had last time we recorded this episode. Probably, <laughs> yeah. Because I, I think I brought up, like, it's sort of similar to... Or maybe I didn't bring this up. Uh, but it sort of... It reminds me of the way Twin Peaks is its own thing. And uh, there have been a lot of things influenced by it, but there's never going to be anything like that just... the way it did at that time with that specific take on fiction
1: and uh, mm. I mean everything David Lynch does is pretty idiosyncratic yeah like most most of his films like Blue Velvet there's nothing out there like Blue Velvet unless it's another David Lynch film
0: <laughs> and another thing I think, I know something I know I brought up last time in reference to Twin Peaks is how uh uh, in a similar way to how I had issues with uh, the like soap opera aspects of uh, Twin Peaks, and how it's like, oh, well, it's parodying soap opera, but if you're not really aware of what, what's par- parodying, does it really work? And then place that up against the horror stuff in the show, and how well does that actually work? In a similar way, Rocky Horror is parodying uh, these like sci-fi and B-ray horror movies, uh, but if you're not well-versed in that genre, then you may be... Uh, even if you are well-versed in that that style of movie, then you still might be sort of lost at certain points. It's just... It, it's such a... It's such a... Like, I... I have done one parody thing in my life, and that is a parody of June Hymn by the Decemberists, renamed James Hymn, and it's all about Silent Hill 2. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that is so on brand.
0: (laughs) You can listen to this on my SoundCloud, soundcloud soundcloud.com slash, I believe it's Dorty I, I always forget this. I'll put a link to it in the description. But yeah, I wrote, because I came up with this chorus. I was, like, I came up with the chorus, uh, the parody, uh, parody chorus of June and by the Decemberists. and after I got that, I was like, okay, I have to write the whole thing. Uh, yeah. But, that being said, uh, I, personally, like, parody is such a weird thing for me, and I, I,
1: it's, I don't
0: know, it's a it's weird, it's just a weird thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of, it goes back to that uh, conversation we were having when we were talking about the Evil Dead musical, and again, this is an, This is just like a word-for-word retread of a conversation we had the last time we recorded this. Um, which is, my
0: <laughs> listeners, because they haven't heard that.
1: Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, this um Oh shit, where was what was I gonna say? This uh <clears throat> this film can't exist in a vacuum. Like we were talking about the Evil Dead musical and like it doesn't really work on its own, but that's fine because it's not supposed to. Like, you're supposed to go into it with an understanding of all of the other like evil dead, the rest of the evil dead franchise. Like you're supposed to have that in your head. So the the new critical approach doesn't work for that particular musical because to expect it to function on its own would be expecting, expecting this work to accomplish a goal that it isn't trying to accomplish. Um, Rocky horror again, because it's, it's in that realm of, uh, parody that you can like satire exists in that realm. It doesn't it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Like the only way to watch this piece of fiction is in conversation with other stories. And I would argue the only way to watch it is with a huge crowd of people screaming vulgar shit at the screen. <laughs> but that's a different sort of argument. Although, it's, it is sort of similar. Because I, I would argue that it's unfair to expect... Well, no. Because no, nobody could have predicted that this was going to be the case when they made it. Yeah. Um, so it's not unfair to expect it to stand up on its own. But to when you expect it to stand up just on its own without any audience, you're also you're also like explicitly trying to get something out of the film that's different than what the masses are saying is so good about the film, and you know you know what I, I, I'm having trouble articulating what I'm saying here. Um, but trying to trying to watch the film without a crowd and seeing how it stands in its own merit is a valid way of consuming it but it's consuming it in a way that kind of like it steps away from why it's such a phenomenon yeah like it's it's certainly an interesting experiment but you know you're you're not really getting the experience that everybody else is getting so I guess don't don't expect to be able to communicate with people on that level because it's it's just fundamentally not the same.
0: You know, it's it's interesting that the whole callback thing started after the movie came out because, like, like it, what made me think of this is you said like nobody could have predicted that this was going to happen with this movie before it happened. But there are almost rehearsals of it in the movie itself, which I find really fascinating. Like, uh, the, uh... Specifically during... uh, I think it's during... uh, Touch, touch, touch me. When Magenta and Columbia are watching uh, everything happening on the the viewer screen or whatever. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. ever kissed before You mean she Uh I thought there's no use getting into heavy petting It only leads to trouble and seat wetting Now all I want to know is how to go I've tasted blood and I want more. More, more, more I'll put up no resistance I want to stay the distance I've got an itch to scratch
0: That was probably present in the original musical, and it was sort of like a a, a chorusy type thing. Um, but that almost is, in a way, foreshadowing the real life thing of people commenting on the movie in the audience. I don't know. I just found that interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, I can see what you're saying there.
0: Oh, what was the other thing I was going to say? It was something about the
1: movie. <laughs> I know it was about a movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was the movie we were discussing.
0: <laughs> what were we talking about? We were talking about watching the movie, not watching it in a vacuum. You were talking about how you really should watch with an audience.
1: Again. Again. I've, I've got, like, one point this episode, but I'm going to keep making it.
0: <laughs> now it brain's just completely fallen off of any useful train of thought.
1: Has, has really anything we've said on this show been particularly useful to... <laughs> <laughs> We spent a good bit of time discussing the uh, the remake. Did we? Yeah. I think we yeah. were just we were just like looking at pictures of the costumes. I don't know how I feel about the remake. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not like I'm not one of those people who writes off remakes automatically, you know? Like I'm willing to give I'm willing to, uh, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, like in terms of uh, the Ghostbusters remake, the trailer didn't really do anything for me, but I went and saw it just because Redditors were being so obnoxiously whiny about it. Um, So I specifically gave that movie money to piss them off. And it was fun, but, you know... Uh, but, yeah, so, like, I'm not, I'm not one of those people who's opposed to the idea of remakes because everything's been done. Who cares? Um, this one, though, gives me pause. <laughs> yeah, like, there are certain casting
0: choices that I think are cool, but...
1: Uh, yeah, like, Laverne Cox as Frankenfurter is cool. Um, you know, Tim Curry coming back and being the criminologist is cool. Uh, uh-huh. th- there is a lot of, like, cool stuff.
0: Yeah, and Dorian Gray from Penny Dreadful as Riff Raff. Yeah, no, that was cool. Um. I, I know the, the thing that really gave me pause is that in one of the trailers or like commercial spots or whatever, it seemed to suggest that they tried to like integrate the uh, callback aspect of the movie into the film. I don't know if that was just for the promotional stuff, but... It seemed like they filmed stuff, like, there, there There, are moments where it cuts to a theater where people are watching this movie on a screen, and they're doing, like, the call-outs and stuff, like a sort of meta-narrative type thing, which, I, uh,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, that's all you can really say about that. It's It's also just... Fascinating that, like, Susan Sarandon, this was one of her first films, too. that's just a complete non-sequitur, but hey. (laughs) I'm just scrolling back and forth through the Wikipedia article trying to figure out stuff to talk about. Man, I wish I could remember what the thing I was going to say was, because it was going to be something interesting. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. Oh, that's what it was. I remember now. I remember. Okay. (laughs) It's not a huge discussion point. I don't know how much we'll be able to get out of it, but I was going to ask you, uh, do you have any favorite call <laughs> Oh,
1: God, I don't know.
0: One of my favorites, since I can hear you typing and looking up stuff... Yeah, uh, no, dude,
1: it's been... It's been fucking years.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been years since I actually went to a shuffling, too, but one of my favorites that... My dad told me about that I, uh, it was funny, I had, like, I don't know if you've ever had this, but, like, there, are, like, it, have you ever had a moment where you feel like right before something happens, you were, like, anticipating it, even though you don't, like, like it. you would have had to be, like, predicting the future or something? Mm-hmm. It's something similar to that when I went and saw the uh, showing on campus, where there was this line that my dad had told me about, and uh, I didn't know where it happened uh, in the movie, but the moment when uh, like it was about to, it would have been about to happen. I was like, "Oh, I think this is where it must be." Should I shout it out? Because I don't hear anyone else shouting it out. And then the moment passed, and it was like, oh, I didn't shout it out. But it's after... Uh, I believe it's right after... Uh, um, maybe I'm getting stuff mixed up. It's either right after uh, Frank and has done the Medusa thing. I think, it, I think it must not be that, because they cut pretty much straight to... Uh, Rose Tint My World, I think, after that. There's nothing really in between. But, uh, so it might actually be when they're trying to find Rocky. Uh, or. Yeah, because he's running around the mansion or whatever, right?
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, there's this moment where. Frankenfurter is standing in front of like the viewfinder or whatever and he walks over to the elevator and uh, this line that my dad told me about was someone he, he'd never he had seen it I think he'd been to a few showings or something and he only heard this like once at one of the showings and he heard someone shout out hey hey Frankenfurter what's a great source of calcium or what's a great source of protein and Frankenfurter turns around from the elevator and just says, Come! <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's pretty great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the other one I, I enjoy a lot I enjoyed a lot just because of Tim Curry's delivery after the call-out is, Hey Frankenfurter, do you know how to masturbate? Yes. I have that knowledge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tim Curry. Curry.
0: You know what I think the first movie I ever saw Tim Curry in was? What's that? Muppet Treasure Island.
1: Yeah, no, probably. Maybe mine was Home Alone 2.
0: Oh, he wasn't Home Alone 2, so probably that, actually.
1: yeah. But it could, have, it could have also been Muppet Treasure Island. I think I saw that when I was pretty young as well.
0: In any case, Muppet Treasure Island is a fantastic movie. And it if is. if you haven't seen it, you need to go see it, listeners.
1: This is an important aside. Muppet Treasure Island is pretty boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I remember... I remember being at like a... a my new Delta party in college and getting a text from somebody just be like, you want to watch Muppet treasure Island and just leaving the party and yeah. go- <laughs> that,
0: is, that is the proper reaction. <laughs> when Someone asks you, if you,
1: I had to hike my ass over to North. Oh God. <laughs> oh man.
0: All the way from the final Delta house.
1: Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> and then wow. I walked home at like three in the morning after, after Muppet Treasure Island. And after this is, Muppet Treasure Island. This is when I lived in Sass, so then that was a fucking walk back. Oh my
0: gosh. Dude, you like you walked the length of campus like twice that night.
1: Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Granted, listeners, the length of our campus was not very impressive. No, this was a uh,
0: college of 3,000.
1: Yeah, it, it was still a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Muppet Treasure Island. But Rocky Horror, though. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to bring Muppet Treasure Island because I love that movie. That's fair. Speaking of Find Me Delta, Dylan borrowed my fingerless gloves when he played riffraff in that uh, oh, that yeah. Shadowcast. Yeah. I
0: think that came up last time, too.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I just mentioned it. Uh, Dylan of uh, Dead Shirt fame.
0: Yeah, so the, the story the story of Rocky Horror Picture Show the actual plot of the movie does fascinate me to a certain extent because like I, I think of the way I put it last time is I'd be interested to see what the story would look like if it wasn't told from if it was if, uh, Brad and Janet Weren't our viewpoint characters, mm. and instead, like Frankenfurter or or even Riffraff or Magenta, were our viewpoint characters because, like, their dialogue is so specific to say, see make it seem like oh, there is some sort of plot going on. It's just we're not privy to that because we're not uh, seeing the plot from their perspective. We're seeing it from the perspective of two human characters in a castle full of aliens, apparently. Um, my dad's favorite line is from the actual movie. From the in the actual movie is uh, when Refres starts talking about "Return to Transylvania, engage the
1: transport beam."
0: <laughs> uh. But even then, I, I think I brought up last time, and I'm going to bring it up again, for our listeners, and just because I, the bizarreness of this movie never ceases to amaze me, the way that they're like, your mission is a failure, and then frank says, wait, let me explain, and seems I'm going home, which doesn't really seem to explain anything, yeah. <laughs> it just sort of presents frank emotions in the moment. That's a nice song. It's like, I think I mentioned last time, it's one of the floydier songs in, in the show. But, uh, yeah, it's like, it doesn't really explain much, and uh, Riff Raff's reaction sort of makes it seem like, yeah, it doesn't do much for him either. <laughs> that final sequence is, the, it's, again... Bizarre is the word that comes to mind, but also there's like. There's, there are certain moments where, like, they get the emotion of it so spot on where I'm, like, engaged and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's shooting Frankenfurter. No! And, like, Rocky climbing up and doing the whole King Kong type thing on the power it's like it's it's so specific (laughs) and so weird and yet so like there's part of me that's truly moved by it it's so weird this movie
1: (laughs) every time they mention the uh planet transylvania i think of uh are you familiar with Transylvania from DC Comics? No. It's a uh it's a it's a tiny evil planet populated entirely by werewolves and vampires. Oh. It's uh, created by a mad scientist who uh made it's something where like he just played horror movies, so the life that evolved on it was uh vampires and werewolves. <laughs> And uh then like Superman plays a bunch of Westerns, so they turn into cowboy vampires and werewolves. This is this is an actual thing. <laughs> uh Jack Kirby is my hero. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard
0: my new band, Cowboy Werewolves and Vampires?
1: That probably already is a band, honestly. Oh, it probably is.
0: <laughs> you know it is. If there's a band that catalog is based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, then there's probably a cowboy werewolves and vampires band.
1: I really dig darkest of the hillside thickets.
0: They they they're cool. They're another one of those things where like I you know I don't know if I could listen to this on a regular basis, but I'm glad that it, it exists.
1: Mm-hmm. The end's mouth look is like legitimately a really good song.
0: That's a yeah. That's a really. going down to Dunwich is
1: pretty cool. Yeah, I like that one a lot.
0: I also love Nyarlathotep just because it's entirely an Egyptian. (laughs) They just went for it. (laughs) (laughs) But Rocky Horror.
1: Rocky Horror, though. Uh, One one last thing I wanted to say about
0: the plot and just the, the things that fascinate me and just, like, strike me in certain ways where I'm like, I'm, like... I have no context for what's going on, but something, like, cuts me to the core about this moment is, at the end, when Riff and Magenta have their moment on the stage, and Riff like, and they're like, and we'll do the time warp again! And they have that flashback to them dancing the time warp, and it's just slow-mo. There's something really, like, like, I get goosebumps. I've got goosebumps on my arm just thinking about it. There's something about that moment that's like, yeah, you'll get to do the time warp again. <laughs> and then I take a step back and I'm like, what the fuck am I on right now? <laughs> <laughs> like this, uh, I just, uh, it's rocky horror.
1: <laughs> it is. It is, sure so. it is rocky horror
0: I don't know I I don't know if this is gonna be a very long episode but uh I don't know if I have anything else to say like uh, there's a whole discussion we had last time about the idea of the outsider um which we, we could talk about again I don't know if we it would basically just be a retread but I don't know my brain this movie this is your brain on Rocky Horror
1: (laughs) any questions this movie you guys you guys this movie
0: (laughs) part of me is trying to come up with something profound to say about like even doing a podcast on this movie seems a little odd and because of the whole cult aspect, and I'm just like, "What are you? What is this bullshit
1: you're trying to come up with? <laughs> come on, here! What are you? What are you trying to make this into?" <laughs> what are you trying to do here? It's a trip, though, man.
0: It is a trip. And again, I appreciate that it exists and that it has this cult status in our culture, and it's just one of those things that, like, it's. It's not like a coming of age thing, because like there are plenty of people who have never seen Rocky Horror and they never will, and that's fine. But
1: I don't is, know if that's fine.
0: <laughs> uh, but it is an experience that, like, again, I don't want to make like. something to experience in life.
1: Yeah. No, like, there there really is nothing else like it. <laughs> yeah. It is, uh... It's, it's definitely its own thing.
0: Man, I really wish we could lift that whole conversation about The Outsider from when we actually recorded it first, because... There were things I said then that I, I liked, but I don't know if I'll be able to articulate it the same way this time. Mm. And then there are things that I don't know if I articulated well enough that time, and so I'm kind of glad that we don't have it.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's kind of how I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, I don't know if I, like, really said what I, what I meant to say there. Yeah. So...
0: You know, things without any context. <laughs> I just, it, it boggles my mind to think that this even exists. Which I think I mentioned last time. And again, the, the, I don't mean to say that, and like, I, I hope that doesn't sound like a criticism. Or like a, oh, why does this exist type thing. But it's just, what makes a guy like Richard O'Brien say, you know what, I want to write this. And then just do it. And you know we're going to have a song about the Sword of Damocles. We're going to have meatloaf riding around on a motorcycle. We're going to have a Medusa fire machine. Everyone's going to be wearing fishnets by the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. That's what I want to mean. I mean, you're talking about... We're we're having this conversation in the year of our Lord 2016 when Sausage Party is in theaters. Richard (laughs) O'Brien can write whatever he damn well wants.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You raise a valid point.
1: (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) We legitimately animated film in theaters about food trying to fuck Rocky Horror is not the weirdest thing out there. It really isn't. It's still a very weird thing. It is. It's it's still very weird. Um, and I
0: wouldn't even say that it's like completely tame by today's standards or anything like that. But it's it's
1: not sausage party.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Which I am very glad about.
1: Yeah, no. I'm I'm pretty psyched. It's not a sausage party.
0: You can quote us on that, listeners. It's a matter of taste podcast.
1: We are happy that Rocky Horror is not a sausage party. Oh man! If I wrap? if I'm remembered for one thing, <laughs> I want it to be that we stood <laughs> we stood our ground on that point. Gravely. Oh, <laughs> Oh wow, this went off the rails somewhere. Yeah, um, it really did. <laughs> you know, well, I'm I'm fine with that because this movie went off the rails a long time ago. See, it's like yeah, it's like thematic and exactly. shit.
0: Exactly. Cons- <laughs> consummate special.
1: Yeah. Let's just throw that in there. First. We gotta we gotta get like a store that says that yeah. like <laughs> like a, like a t shirt. We we really should. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. That, that is our uh, that is our discussion of Rocky Horror. Uh, yeah. We thank mostly Rocky Horror. We uh, we thank you for joining us. Um, um, one
0: thing I did want to bring up before we completely close out is uh, almost like an honorable mention type thing. Since we are ending our uh, horror musical series, uh, first of all, are there any like that you thought of that we we could have talked about that we didn't? Uh, if you just want to mention?
1: Um, you know, we could probably at some point touch on the Devil's Carnival, which was the spiritual sequel to Repo.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I listened. Like, I, I think we had a discussion about this. I listened to the soundtrack, which there were parts of that I thought were cool, um, but I have not seen the movie.
1: Yeah, Emily Autumn's in that, which is a much better stunt cast than Paris Hilton because <laughs> Emily Autumn rocks
0: <laughs> um, well one that I wanted to bring up that I actually discovered uh, during like o- over the course of us doing these horror musicals there's a uh, composer named Ryan Scott Oliver who uh, was given some awards for or he was given the Jonathan Larson grant back in 2009 and he got a 2008 Richard Rodgers award for musical theater uh, he's done a bunch of different musicals that haven't like, made it to Broadway, specifically. But mm-hmm. uh, And I, I've only listened to one of them, which is the one I'm going to bring up. But they, he's got a, just a really fascinating... Just looking at the short summaries of some of these things, it, they seem like really fascinating ideas for musicals. The one that I want to bring up is a, a musical I discovered called Jasper and Deadland, uh, which came out in... Uh, quote-unquote came out in 2014. Uh, I downloaded the uh, world premiere soundtrack, which is the only like real soundtrack in, in existence for Jasper and Deadland. Mm. And uh, I believe it was actually some reason, I feel like I remember reading it that Brian Scott Oliver was commissioned to write it, um, but uh, it's essentially a modern retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice, Ooh. which you could say, that, like, the story of Orpheus and Eurydice has, is one of the most told, like told and retold stories in the history of time.
1: That's uh, true. I am always game for a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice, yeah. though.
0: Um, especially in music, in music, like, one of the first, op- like, I, if I remember correctly from my music classes, my music history class, like, one of the first operas was actually Orfeo, uh, an adaptation of the, one of, one of the first pieces that was, like, considered uh, an opera was uh, Orfeo, an uh, operatic retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice, um, one of the more recent versions was uh, Reflector by Arcade Fire, um, sort of loosely inspired by uh, another retelling of Orpheus and see actually. But Jasper and Deadland, uh, I'll just really quick read the one-sentence summary <laughs> that they have here on Wikipedia, uh, and then I'll talk about my own thoughts about it. It uh, Jasper and Deadland two sentences. Jasper and Deadland is a pop rock musical based on the myth of Orpheus and Eurydice. It follows 16-year-old Jasper Jarvis as he travels to the afterlife on a mission to save his best friend, Agnes. Um, Yeah, as it was commissioned in 2011 for the Pasadena Musical Theater Program. Uh, Basically, 16-year-old guy goes to this cliff where his girlfriend told him to meet her, and looks over the cliff, and... Number one, she's not there. Then he looks over the cliff, and he sees a big vortex underneath the cliff. And he's like, oh, she must have fallen if they've fallen in. I'll go after her. <laughs> and so, of course, he <laughs> As just, one does. As one does. And it takes him to the afterlife, uh, which pulls from a lot of different influences, primarily Greek mythology, obviously, with Orpheus and Eurydice and everything. Uh, but it's just, this, like... I don't think there's anything specifically groundbreaking about it as a musical or as a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a really fun musical to listen to. It's uh, got a, just got enough edge to it to be like a, sort of like a, a harder rock musical without just being straight-up metal like uh, the Repo movie soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got some really catchy songs and uh, the fact that it's written by someone uh, like... Not, okay, that was about to sound really elitist and douchey. I will try to rephrase it, but uh, it, it is written by someone within like the musical theater community and so that's going to have a different sort of vibe to it than, say, like just for an example Green Day writing a rock opera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... And uh, there, there are things about it that he, he does musically that are really, really cool. Like there's a, uh, the, the standout like, the, the single from this musical you could say is, the song uh, "Stroke by Stroke," which you can find a bunch of live performances by a variety of different actors on YouTube. Uh, and they're just cool little things that I love from a music theory perspective. Like, with stroke by stroke, it's sort of talking about... It, it's an extended metaphor about, like, the world being water and how uh, to experience anything in the world, you sort of just got to dive into it. Mm-hmm. And so it hits the chorus, and uh, it, this chorus is just saying you go stroke by stroke by stroke by stroke by stroke. And it, it actually literally, like, slows the tempo down like 5%... Like the, the the performers actually do that. It's not like they went and did it in post or anything. The performers slow down for the chorus, and the way that the drums, the the percussion hits like the the cymbal after the downbeat, on top of it slowing down, it actually gives this aural feeling of uh, fighting against the current. Mm. It's Just little stuff like that that I find really fascinating that, like, people are doing in musical theater. Uh, And then, like, there's this other song that's just a straight-up, like, rock song, Living Dead, which is fantastic. And it's this uh, character that Jasper meets in Deadland, Gretchen. She sort of becomes his guide, and she's talking about how, like, look, you're not going to be able to find your girlfriend. And even if you do, she's not going to be who you thought she was. And she has this whole song, Living Dead... That's just, it's just fun to rock out to. Um, There's another song, uh, Hungry for Your Heart, that's almost got this, like, uh, uh, it's got a really great organ in it. Uh, And you know me, keyboardist, I love me some rock organ. Uh, One of the, like, biggest highlights, I think, from a story and, like, story-meeting form thing like I talked about with Sweeney Todd is there's a song in the second act that uh, sort of it takes place it takes place in this factory that is sort of basically where all of the uh, people who have been punished for various reasons are like working to do something I, I I don't know the exact plot because I haven't read the libretto yet that came with the soundtrack but uh, one of the cool things that they do there is they it, it's a song called beaten broken spirits where they bring in uh, all these different stories classic stories from mythology like sisyphus and uh, even uh, or it even references uh dante's inferno because it talks about brutus's punishment mm-hmm. uh, and how he's just being uh, eaten over and over again um and when you've got a musical that has the line uh, "Satan's masticating on your flesh," then I think you you consider yourself uh, an accomplished musical writer. <laughs> uh, and one of the cool thing is there, like they do three three or four of those. They're just really short little bits that uh, like get go into each different punishment. And then there's a point at the end of the song where they overlap all of them, all of these different parts in harmony with each other, and it sounds so cool. Mm. Uh, but yeah, definitely, it it's definitely worth a listen. It, it's it's I, I I'm I'm glad I discovered it. It, it. I've been listening to it a lot just because there there's so many really catchy songs in it, and there's enough there that is. Cool and interesting that I've been listening to it a lot. So Jasper and Deadland, check it out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll have to give it a listen. Um, well, now that Ian's done 15 minutes on a completely different musical, yes, uh, <laughs> oh, I'm just messing with you. Um, I guess we'd close it out. Uh, thank, thank you for joining us. Um, so we'll see you in September, um, and we're back to our uh, back to our monthly schedule. Uh so if you want to contact us we'd love to hear from you um that information will be coming up after the music uh and I guess good night Good night
0: This has been A Matter of Taste If you'd like to get in contact with us email us at amatteroftastepodcast at amatteroftastepodcast@gmail.com Follow us on Twitter at AMOT Podcast. Find full episode posts at a matter of taste podcast and follow us as a matter of taste podcast on Tumblr, Facebook, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.
1: Hosting this week.
0: Uh,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> what was that noise?
0: That was that was just.
1: Uh, That's going we, in the outtakes. Yeah. uh
0: Yeah. Do we want to actually like take five so I can take my contacts?
1: Out? Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. We're not going to stop recording or anything, right? Because no, that on. that'd just be a mess.
0: I mean, there's a way to do it smoothly, but...
1: I don't want to worry about it. Yeah, I don't want to risk it. <laughs> we can just cut that time. It's not, yes. a, not a problem. I shall be back. Alrighty. <clears throat> ba, 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 da, ba. Adding stuff for Ian to cut out. Later, when we do the editing. Ba, da, ba, da, ba. This little section is going to be... you're You're in my secret, listeners.
0: All right, I've gone to the bathroom, took my contacts out, got a glass of water. Let's do this shit. <laughs> hey, real quick, uh, are you gonna finish that joke we set up? The one in the
1: oh, end of the- oh yeah, from the
0: yeah, the intro where we,
1: we- right, right, yeah, I got it. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: Patient. How's that feel? good you know kind of like when you're like really congested like mucus yeah exactly and you just you know hawk it out